You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. My guest on The Luxury Item is one of the most accomplished executives in prestige beauty. Michelle Frere is global brand president at the iconic skincare and makeup brand Clinique. Her brand oversight also recently extended to natural skincare brand Origins. Both are part of the Estee Lauder Company's diverse portfolio of leading prestige brands. Michelle Frere joined the Estee Lauder Companies in 2020 from Johnson & Johnson, where she had an impressive 20-year career holding various leadership roles within its consumer health products division, including serving as the president of U.S. Beauty. There, she oversaw brands like Neutrogena, Aveeno, Clean & Clear, and others. Michelle also has a proven track record for fostering workplaces that embrace inclusion and diversity. Over the years, her passion and dedication led her to be named to multiple prestigious lists, including People in Espanol's Top 25 Most Influential Women, Fortune's 50 Most Powerful Latinas, and Most Powerful Latina Hall of Fame 2022 as a corporate trailblazer, to name a few. Welcome to the luxury item, Michelle. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Same here. I'm so thrilled to have you on today. So you joined Estee Lauder Companies in June 2020 as Clinique's Senior VP, Global General Manager, mid-pandemic after working 20 years as a brand leader at Johnson & Johnson. And you really came at a time when the pandemic lockdown and the related work-from-home culture shift transformed the beauty market. So what were you tasked to do when you first joined Clinique right at that point? Yes, it was definitely not an easy time to onboard to a new company and and a new brand uh, during the pandemic where I really couldn't meet anyone in person. Um, And I was tasked to not only lead a new team and build these relationships over Zoom, but also pivot our approach, right? Because as the pandemic was significantly impacting consumer behaviors. Uh, For example, as a result of the pandemic, consumers were more focused on skincare and self-care, which made Clinique even more relevant. And, And consumers were also, you know, turning to brands that they trusted like Clinique. Um, And in addition to that trust, we were able to provide consumers with high quality products that address their their needs. And pandemic was leading to a lot of high stress, irritated skin due to prolonged mask wearing and clinic products were very efficacious and helping um, with all those skincare issues, even for sensitive skin. So we had to kind of double down on these shifts in consumer behaviors and connect with them in a relevant way, as well as connect with them more online um, where they were. So to drive these pivots, I had to really bring the team along the journey with me. So from a leadership standpoint, it was especially important for me to lead the team with empathy during this time. People were balancing a lot. It was a very intense time and the lines between work and life had become blurred. So it was really critical for me to stay calm as a leader and be a calming force for people at all levels. Empathetic leadership has always been important, but it really became a requirement um, through COVID um, to to be a great leader. And I think that that will remain with us as an outcome of COVID. And you made a huge impact at Clinique right from the start, driving double-digit growth for Hero products, as well as redefining the innovation strategy behind Clinique's Hero franchises. You also made Clinique the number one ELC brand in North America in the online channel and more. So in July of last year, you were promoted to global brand president at Clinique. 
have you been able to maintain the heritage of this large, iconic prestige beauty brand while infusing the modern characteristics of today's indie brands and DTC disruptors? How have you been doing it? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's a, always a difficult task, right? You know, Clinique is, is an iconic brand with a rich heritage. And, and the reason it's been able to stand that test of time is because of the high level of trust the brand has built with its consumers. And we deliver on our promises and, and, and we do so in a safe, straightforward and transparent way that creates a level of trust over time. But it's taken 50 years for Clinique to build that trust. You know, it takes a day to take it away. So you you have to nurture that trust and everything that you do has to support that. So since I joined Clinique, we've been on an incredible journey to modernize and evolve the brand, um, to continue to be relevant in today's world and with our consumer especially the younger consumer, while staying true to our DNA, right? Iconic brands can get stale. They can get old. Mm -hmm. uh, it can become, you know, your grandmother's brand, especially when you have many indie brands and the barriers of entry to beauty have really come down. So a lot of anyone pretty much from their garage can launch a beauty brand. So it's really important to continue to always evolve a brand, but still, you know, honor, honor the past um, and stay super connected to your consumer. Um, so we've evolved our creative and, you know, the way that we engage with our consumers to be more modern, fresh, bolder in every consumer touch point, whether it's, you know, campaign assets you see online or how we show up in store. We also continue to innovate in the digital space. Uh, so building on Clinique's mission, which has been always to provide the safest, most effective formulas and these simple routines that bring remarkable results, we evolved in the way we engage with our consumers and where we meet them. So we, we, you know, consumers are seeking more personalization from brands. So we offer virtual services, which, such as clinical reality, which is self-diagnostic tool that recommends a personalized regimen for you after you take a picture. Um, and we've developed strategies to show up on TikTok in a way that's innovative and authentic to the brand. We've introduced um, what we call our TikTok C-suite, which is a diverse group of influencers and content creators that help create a lot of engaging content for our channel. Um, and then finally, we innovated at retail. So we rolled out our new retail concept, the lab uh, in, in North America and Macy's Harold Square. And it's a, again, it's, it's Clinique's brand positioning, but evolved, you know, and it shows up in a very modern way and, and in the way that people want to shop in, in brick and mortar stores these days where they want more self-navigation. So it's really has been about touching every aspect of the brand and how consumers engage with us and, and modernize all of those touch points and meet them where they are. Yeah. And the beauty industry has been speaking to Gen Z for years, you know, Instagram and YouTube have also spawned a sprawling market of socially savvy brands. Prestige brands have been playing catch up. It seems a few years ago, Piper Jaffrey surveyed U.S. teens and found just one heritage label, Clinique, ranked among Gen Z's 10 favorite skincare brands. Why do you think that is and how much of a role has the brand's heritage play in its appeal to a younger generation? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we're first super proud of that recognition, right? Uh, those are the hardest consumers to, to stay relevant with. Um, and, and we continue to receive, you know, accolades every year. Recently, uh, a few months ago, we were named a top skincare brand for Gen Z by 
by Kyra. And we were also named one of America's hottest brands by Ad Age. And I think it's about your purpose. I think that um, Clinique was founded on this brand purpose that is about, we believe that you know, we, we can create great skin for all. You don't have to be born with great skin. Great skin can be created. And so 55 years later, we still have that same purpose. And every action we take from product innovation to the way we engage with the consumer, we always put the consumer at the heart of everything um, and with that brand purpose in mind. So I think iconic brands like Clinique have such potential with their rich heritage and kind of cross-generational connection. Um, but we need to continue to evolve um, as new ge generations of consumers evolve. So we are constantly challenging ourselves. And I'll tell you, I listen a lot to my team um, because I feel they're much closer to the consumer. And, and in terms of the innovation in social platforms, right? Many, a few years ago, not everybody believed in TikTok. And now it's it's the social channel where brand, uh, brands are being built. Um, the metaverse, you know, consumers are experiencing emotional connections in, in the metaverse with beauty. And so it's important that we continue to not stay still, that we are innovating, we are challenging ourselves. And then inclusivity, currently and in the future also plays an important role in beauty, especially with a young generation that's so diverse. Right. Um, so beauty used to be a very selective industry, right? And while there's still, I mean, God knows a lot of work to be done, it is a place where we've also innovated. So I think all these reasons and my my scope actually recently um, expanded as well to include origins. Origins, um, right which also has a lot of rich heritage um, and and had appeal to a younger generation. So I think it's it's something I'm really passionate about because I think it's a challenge to continue to stay really appealing to a young generation when you have a heritage brand. But when you do it right, I mean, they just come to you because you have also that kind of trust backing and you're not going to go away tomorrow. And, and who is the modern Clinique consumer versus the one from maybe 20 years ago? Clinique was always the brand that attracted um, that younger consumer who was asking right. more questions and being more demanding. Um, uh, and, you know, I think that the main difference now is, is first, you know, where consumers, right, are experiencing their emotional connections with brands. Um, they're uh, experiencing that in online spaces, right? So it's really important that we engage with them and how they learn about brands and how they get educated. It's more in that in these online, you know, spaces. So, and it's just incredible how curious, educated, and savvy young consumers are today versus 20 years ago. Um, they know so much more about ingredients and products um, and what they want and what they need and information is at their fingertips all the time, uh, which can also, by the way, be overwhelming and confusing. And, you know, but these consumers are more savvy in their journey. And so, and they seek different sources of information on how they get themselves educated. So now they go, before 20 years ago, they were going to their mom and now they go to TikTok. Um, so how we show up um, and connect with them is, is really important because they it's still this consumer of Clinique from 20 years ago was also demanding and asking questions, but the where they get the answers and how we help them navigate that complex journey of beauty and what's right for them is you know where we we evolve with them then. And you were talking about TikTok before and Clinique has 
quite a growing presence on TikTok in order to try to win over the young Gen Z shoppers. Last year, a TikTok program helped prompt a resurgence of one of your older lines of lipstick. Yeah. And most recently, you launched the TikTok influencer program, C-Suite, to engage with TikTok creators. What has been Clinique's approach in harnessing the power of TikTok to drive beauty buzz? Yeah, I mean, TikTok obviously is having such a monumental impact, right? Um, and and so we, we've we witnessed that with what you were referencing, our, our Clinique's um, almost lipstick and Black Honey. I mean, Black Honey has been iconic for decades um, and was created to look incredible on everyone. And then, you know, the TikTok community organically rediscovered this lipstick last year when creators of all skin tones started buying it and testing it in their videos, showing how the lip color looked great on all of them. And so we then partner with a diverse range of TikTok creators to kind of continue to fuel that momentum and that excitement and <laughs> drove the product to sell it around the country. Uh, and believe it or not, the trend is still going, which is actually kind of unusual for, for a TikTok trend that's been now like 16 months. Um, but then we built on that. And so I think you need to also figure out how to build on trends, you know, on TikTok. So we launched our Black Honey Pop Plus, which is basically Black Honey in a lip gloss. Mm -hmm. And now consumers and influencers can't get enough of that product either. And it's become a TikTok trend and gone viral. Um, and so, yes, and we, as we continue to learn and, and, and really capitalize on the power of TikTok, we've launched um, this partnership with um, what we call our C-suite, a group of diverse TikTok creators in North America. And they, they really just authentically articulate what Clinique is about and what our commitments to consumers are through their authentic presence and voice. And of course, we focused on ensuring diversity and representation. Like we, we also tap skincare experts, makeup artists, skincare makeup creators to just continue to elevate Clinique in a natural, organic, authentic way so they can be an authentic voice for us and help educate consumers about products and ingredients and trends, but in a fun way. I mean, TikTok is just a, I mean, honestly, it's a fascinating place where you can have an evergreen ecosystem. And on the one hand, you could be at the center of creating a trend and the buzz, but on the other hand, you need to be super agile to jump on trends quickly right. when you see them and stay relevant and drive buzz. Like right now, skin cycling is a trend. So we're tracking that real time and activating against that quickly. So yeah, it's, it's incredible where TikTok um, has evolved to, and it's really critical for brands to, to learn how to engage with their consumers there. There was an article in Ad Week a few years ago, it was written by brand strategist Anna Angelic, who was actually on my show a couple of years ago. It was titled, Why Every Brand Should Be Watching the Beauty Industry. And in it, she sums up the state of play in the beauty sphere saying, if products are tangible expressions of our sociocultural currents, then beauty more than any other industry, embodies a diverse, inclusive, nimble, and empowered space. First, do you agree with that statement? And do you think the beauty industry has grown in tandem with the world's perception of beauty since the article was written in 2018? I think there are a lot of statements in the, that article, if I did read it, that I agree with. You know, we, we, we've talked, um, we were talking about beauty being inclusive and a diverse and empowering space for all, absolutely. And, and I think that the industry has evolved significantly, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. I mean, I think a lot of beauty brands have figured out how to talk about a product to get trial and get attention. But I do think that if you don't have a great product, 
um, you will never build a sustainable brand that has loyalty um, and has repeat purchases. You know, that only comes with great products that deliver results. You can't really replace that. So you get a lot of trial and buzz for a short period of time, but you have to authentically deliver on your brand promise on the product promise and also be relevant and inclusive. And I think this is sometimes why I think, you know, there's a lot of indie brands that don't make it um, because a good enough product is not good enough for the long term. And, and sometimes, you know, that that's just not enough. So I, I think there are parts of that that I agree with. And then those others, I think I, I would challenge. So long before the industry began to push the needle on diversity, the Estee Lauder companies set up an in-house cultural relevancy team to ensure its brands meet the needs of an increasingly culturally diverse market. How has Clinique been challenging stereotypical and regressive notions of beauty with its product and marketing? This is something I'm so passionate about. Clinique is a brand that was founded in service of all skin. Um, and so I think first and foremost, you know, we always ensure that authentic diversity comes through from every aspect, right? Because diversity is, it's complex, right? Diverse, when we talk about diversity, um, it has to be of skin tone, of country of origin, background, lifestyle, and everything that we do, right? We want everyone to feel seen and represented. And so I think it starts with our products um, that we deliver on the hardest to solve concerns for all skin tones and ethnicities and skin types. And we actually you know, divert a lot of our clinical test funding to, to test our products um, across, you know, skin tones um, and people of different um, skin types and backgrounds, um, just to make sure that we're serving them with those safe and efficacious products that are right for them, whether it's for hyperpigmentation, acne, having the right shades of our makeup, um, and I've also always felt like you need to also have the right talent representing your brand. So I've always mm -hmm. championed, um, like, for example, I signed Melissa Barrera as our first uh, Latina global ambassador. And I knew that young, you know, Hispanic women and young diverse women would see themselves in her face and, and, but even more like hear her story and her background of resilience and dedication and hard work. And, and those things really allow you to develop a more meaningful connection to a brand. Um, and then on top of having, I think, the right brand ambassadors and, and people representing your brand, whether it's on TikTok or in, you know, in, in just overall advertising, we also celebrate Latinas, for example, in culturally relevant moments. And I think that's the, the cultural connection that is authentic is also important. We did this um, great Mother's Day campaign um, this year focused entirely on Latinas. We highlighted beautiful family traditions and stories focused on the theme of gracias mama, which means, you know, thank you mom. Um, and we celebrated also Hispanic Heritage Month by sharing powerful stories from the Latina community being the first in different aspects of our lives. Like most recently for the Day of the Dead, we introduced a, a limited edition um, of, of one of our iconic products, Take the Day Off Cleansing Balm. And we featured colorful illustrations from a Mexican illustrator, um, hmm. Melissa Zuniga, inspired by this holiday. So I think um, we do it also, you know, relevancy around the world, right? With In, in Asia and um, different parts of the world. So I think as a brand, you just have to, and especially one like us committed to being in service of all skin, you really have to, challenge yourself every day. Am I really doing that? 
Am I right. really showing up that way? Um, and if you're not, then go go address where you're not. Um, and I think it's inclusive, important to be inclusive all year long and not just during specific cultural moments or with a talent. It needs to be in everything that we do. A consumer needs to see themselves and represented when they visit our stores or they engage with us online. Online and skincare brands were the key growth drivers for the beauty industry amid pandemic stores closure. The Estee Lauder companies nearly doubled its rate of online consumer-facing investments and boosted its digital infrastructure and fulfillment network. Uh, so with skincare outperforming makeup during the pandemic, the company rolled out a virtual service with Clinique on the UK side, I believe, centered around video chats, AR try-ons, and data-driven product personalization. Were you happy with the results of the virtual shopping experiences and other digital investments you made during that period? And have any of them kind of stuck around post-pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. And we did it also, you know, here in the U.S. Um, and others. I mean, we, we created what we called Skin School. So mm -hmm. consumers could connect with the consultants virtually because obviously Clinique has always been like a destination where you, you can go to the store and you can engage a consultant pre-COVID. So allowing consumers to connect with them virtually in different ways, whether it was one-on-one -on -one or in a skin school. Um, and so post-pandemic, we, I mean, we know a lot of those behavioral shifts, um, they're not going back, right, to pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. So Post-pandemic, we continue to evolve and personalize the services that consumers are looking for. And they kind of self-select, depending on age or psychographic, the different types of services that they're looking for. And so we want to ensure we continue to meet them in those digital spaces, whether it's through virtual services on our own platforms or on social platforms. But absolutely, super happy with the results and the investment. And we continue to amplify that and evolve those services as the consumer behavior continues to evolve. And Clinique has been beating a path in Web3 space in the past mm -hmm. year or so. Yeah. You know, this past summer, Clinique launched its second Web3 initiative with the uh, Metaverse Like Us campaign, focusing on diversity and inclusion within the metaverse. So can you talk about that campaign and how, you know, you were hoping to position Clinique's brand to consumers? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, part of that was to make sure first and foremost that the metaverse more like us campaign focused on driving accessibility and inclusivity in the metaverse. That was, that was what our mission was. And as mm -hmm. part of that unique initiative, you know, we collaborated with a diverse group of leading global makeup artists and creators um, to design those exclusive NFT looks. And, and the campaign was really about challenging the unrealistic beauty standards and championing individuality. So um, it was, you know, like our first touch point in the metaverse, it was really important to us that consumers could see the looks and then they could purchase the products either on clinique.com or across our social media to enjoy like a, both a virtual experience that hopefully inspires them in the real world as well. And, and as we were talking about, right, we want all consumers to feel represented wherever they are in the physical space or in the metaverse. Um, we want consume and consumers were interested in this campaign and its purpose. We actually saw the second highest week of new follower growth on social media wow. that we've seen over the last two years. And, and time spent with the brand online increased four times. So the metaverse is, you know, in that way, you have to think of it as no different than any other channel. You know, you have to continue to take this test and learn approach, meet consumers where they are, be authentic about it. 
and continue to accompany them on their journey and, and just figuring out those new, new platforms and new environments where consumers are spending time and meeting them there in an authentic way um, right. is, is what they're looking for. And holiday sales are, are a priority for beauty brands with a good chunk of prestige beauty sales occurring in the last two months of the year. Uh, third quarter prestige beauty sales have been strong amid global concerns of rising interest rates and possible recession. Uh, many beauty marketers are doubling down on spending in the holiday season, helping that infamous lipstick index kicks into first gear. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for listeners who aren't familiar with the lipstick index, it refers to an industry theory that basically says that shoppers buy small luxuries like lipsticks at times of economic instability. It was and, actually uh, Leonard Lauder. Um, oh, Leonard Lauder, that's right. The son of, of Estee Lauder who, who coined <laughs> that lipstick index. Yes. Um, and it's And it's brilliant because it is true. So how are you feeling about the holiday season? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it, feeling great about it. Holiday is a holiday is a very special moment for an iconic, multi-generational trusted brand like Clinique. Um, we launch a new holiday campaign that's super fresh that I personally really love. And it's inspired by the magic of our Clinique lab. And it's really meant to spark a lot of positive and uplifting vibes, which I think we all agree that that we need, um, especially in the holiday season. And, and it highlights our most wanted skincare, fragrance, makeup gifts, but presented in a modern and playful way. So, you know, we're always really honored that consumers choose Clinique as their holiday gifts. And this year will be no different. And we're super excited to see. I mean, it's already, obviously, you know, we had Black Friday and we we had great success and, and we are very excited about the holiday season altogether. Just honored that consumers choose us. So you were born and raised in Puerto Rico and much of your experience as well as your corporate leadership as a Latina has informed what the Clinique brand has been doing to reshape the culture of an industry that has often fallen short when it comes to beauty empowerment. What are some of the efforts by Clinique that have been empowering positive change for a more diverse and inclusive industry? Yeah, obviously, as, as you spoke, it's it's very dear to my heart because of who I am and where I come from. And you know, we, I mean, I think we, first, we must ensure that there's diverse representation at, at the decision-making table, so to speak, right? So that we can speak to all consumers authentically. And so inclusivity begins with within the brand and within the team. So first, as a leader, I feel like it's really important to create a culture where people feel safe to show up every day as their authentic self and feel comfortable and safe to bring ideas and different points of views, their cultural differences and understandings. Um, because when you bring all that around the table, you get the best out of everybody, but you also get the best for, for the business. Um, and personally, I, I feel a great responsibility to pay it forward, especially to multicultural and Hispanic women like myself who grew up in different cultures. And I was very, um, you know, I was very lucky to have uh, great mentors and sponsors. And, and now as a Latina business executive, of which there are not as many of us, I want to do the same. Um, and uh, I feel like I have an obligation to seek out that next generation of leaders and, and support them and also sponsor them and be a voice, you know, because I do have a seat at the table to encourage my peers to take risks on diverse talent. Um, to accelerate their career path and and champion them and and coach them and just I have a responsibility to kind of influence all around up down and across um, mm -hmm. and I do I participate in a lot of mentorship programs at ELC they've given me the opportunity to connect kind of that passion I have for mentoring and sponsorship 
of diverse talent. Um, so I'm in a reverse mentorship program where junior talent shares their insights and latest trends with senior leaders of the company, which is a fantastic program to keep a pulse on, on what resonates with young consumers um, while giving a voice to junior team members. But also, I, um, I'm also a, a sponsor of our Hispanic uh, employee resource group called High C, and we just launched a mentorship program um, that, you know, is going to really help Hispanic and Latino employees, um, you know, and, and when they look at me, they see, oh, well, she got there, then so can I. So I think in the end, I truly believe it's important to have role models that you can identify with. And that's what motivates me to continue to pay it forward because I have to make sure that the future generation of leaders looks more diverse um, and then more and more people um, can have a seat at the table. And that that will be great for business aside from just being the right thing to do. So Michelle, my final question is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation or water transportation to take you off that island or anything that requires mobile service so you can call somebody to take you off that island. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you, lots of sand, palm trees surrounded by miles and miles and miles of water. What would that one luxury item you would like to have with you? Well, maybe I'll say a Clinique one and a non-Clinique one. <laughs> <laughs> if you let me. Um, <laughs> um, but look, if it's a clinique one, I would take- I'll uh, let it slide. I'll let it slide for this time. Um, I would take moisture surge because given the island elements, hydration would be key um, to have a moisturizer that really is hydrating, you know, for hours and hours. But mm -hmm. outside of clinique, I would choose um, my Omega watch. Um, my father gave my mother that watch and then gifted it to me. It has immense sentimental value to me. And then the watch would also be practical because it would be, it's helpful to know if you're stranded, what time yes. it is and make sure that, you know, as the days are going by. So that would be my luxury item. And I wear it every day. Michelle Ferrer, global brand president at Clinique and Origins. Thank you so much for joining me on the luxury item. Oh, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure and my honor. Thank you. And happy holidays. That's it for this episode of the Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.